Good morning. Good morning. And so as we begin our uh, sermon today, looking at the life of Fred Pratt Green, um, I have a a few things that I want to lift up. Um, One of them, of course, is uh, that Fred Pratt Green is from the British Methodist Church. Um, The Methodist movement began in England with John and Charles Wesley, and um, it spread to the colonies. And then when the Revolutionary War came, the, the Anglican Church, the Church of England, pulled all their priests home, and there wasn't anyone here to serve communion and to do baptisms and such. And so John Wesley sent some people over to do that in kind of defiance of the king, actually. And he sent people to the states, to the colonies at the time, to um, to be priests and to to do the work of of, of king of a, of the of the king of heaven to do the work of the sacraments and so um, so the Methodist denomination began in the United States it began at Old Otterbein in uh, Baltimore um, just a few blocks up from the harbor if you ever are in Baltimore and go to Camden Yards for the baseball game you can just walk up the hill and see Old Otterbein it is still there they be celebrating a about 250 years. Now, we're getting ready at Memorial here. We'll be spending the next year preparing for our big 125th anniversary celebration. But at Old Honorbine, they're about 250 um, and uh, uh, about twice our age. Um, So while we're speaking of the Wesleys, I want to remind you about the Flat Wesleys. Um, The Flat Wesleys, if you remember... um, our 2D impressions of John and Charles. We have some out in the narthex that can be checked out. Our youth took them on the mission trip this um, this week. They were down at Pavarello House and at Firm and Stone Soup and Vintage Gardens and also at Catholic Charities um, and um, doing work um, in our community and, and inspiring our youth and helping our youth to learn how to live out their faith. We're inviting everyone in the congregation to do this this year, to look outside our walls, to be in ministry, and to take the Wesleys with you on vacation. Um, uh, My daughter and I will be checking them out and taking them with us. We'll be here next week, and then the following week we are going to be walking in the Chalk Walk, which is Children's Hospital of Orange County, uh, C-H-O-C, and we'll be taking the Wesleys with us. I'm trying to get powdered wigs because I think we should have powdered wigs to go with carrying the Wesleys. Um, but a lot of people have said they weren't really will- willing to wear those. But you take the Wesleys with you, take a picture. I had really meant to get, we had some great pictures with the youth. The, the Wesleys were learning to do a hula this week and, and uh, playing some games with different, yeah, they had a good time out sharing the love of Jesus in our community. And I want to invite people to do that. And I also want to make another shameless plug. If you want to donate to the Chalk Walk, that would be great. I have the tax receipts, and you can take it off on your taxes. Uh, my daughter and I need to raise um, about $150 more. So if you want to help with that, that would be great. But everybody's invited, and we're going to be trying to get more ministry outside of our walls, which is exactly the kind of thing that Fred Pratt Green um, would be encouraging. Um, I want to tell you a little story as we lead more into his story. Um, In my previous uh, appointment, the one that I served immediately before this one, 
um, in a Sunday morning service, I had a family that the mom came with the two kids, and the dad came upon occasionally, uh, occasion, but the dad was very faithful, but not to the Methodist denomination. He attended another church, and upon occasion would come to worship with his wife and kids at this one, but he would take his kids and uh, worship at another congregation very regularly. And one Sunday, um, it came time to share our joys and concerns, and I asked if there were any concerns, and the, the boy raised his hand. He was about 10. He raised his hand, and I said to him, you know, what is your concern today? And he said to me, Pastor, today I went to worship with my father this morning, and it came time for communion, and I was not allowed to have communion because I was not a member of that denomination. And that concerns me. That concerns me because Christ invites to his table all who desire to draw near, which is what I say every time I serve communion, right? And he had memorized that, and he said, that concerns me because Christ invites to his table all who desire to draw near. And I said, that concerns many of us, and we will continue to lift that in prayer. Well, that, that idea and that understanding, that, that understanding of theology, of, of who God is and what God's grace is about, is a key factor for Fred Pratt Green. He was born in 1903 in Robbie, England, which is in Lancaster County near Liverpool. Um, he grew up in the Wesleyan tradition, um, but he had many friends who were also Anglican, um, which is the Church of England, from which the Wesleys came. But their hope was that they would have a spiritual revival within the Anglican Church. But the Anglican Church never really embraced the Wesleys' approach. Um, but a lot of other people did. So the Wesleyan movement and the Methodist movement started in England. The denomination started in the United States. And later it became the British Methodist. So the, the denomination then came, went to England after, after the United States, the British Methodists. And so in England they call the Methodists Wesleyans versus Methodists now. Um, they, they do say Methodists, but um, they call them Wesleyans. So he was raised in the Wesleyan tradition. And um, at one point um, in his uh, young, well, we would think of his late teens or his young adult life, he heard a sermon. And that sermon inspired him. And it touched his heart. And he felt that maybe he should be a pastor. Now, prior to that point, he had harbored hopes that he would be able to be trained to be an architect. He really wanted to be an architect. But the family business, where they were leather merchants, needed his assistance. And so rather than studying uh, to be an architect, he was more involved in the family business. But when he heard that sermon, his heart was touched. And in Wesleyan tradition, we might say strangely warmed. Um, his heart was touched. And um, he felt that he was actually being called to ministry. His good friend Eric Thomas was at that same event. And he also felt a call to ministry. And Eric was Anglican, and, and so as they moved into their, their training through college and then into seminary, he, um, he considered which, what avenue he should take and with which denomination he, he should seek ordination. And uh, he, he finally resolved that he would be Methodist, British Methodist, and, and the deciding point was the open communion table. That he... He really believed that God's grace should not be limited by your membership with the church. That, that Holy Communion is a means of grace. It's a way of experiencing the power of the love of God in, in ways that 
that transform the simple elements of bread and juice, or in their case, bread and wine. In that many denominations will only serve communion to people that they consider to be worthy, and those that they consider to be worthy are members of their congregation or of their denomination. But Fred Pratt Green embraced the Methodist understanding that Christ invites to his table all who desire to draw near. And so every time when we have communion, I will always say that. You don't need to be a member of the congregation or the denomination to receive communion because Christ invites to his table all who desire to draw near. I say that to remind us, but also in case there are people here who are not familiar with our traditions. When I was in seminary, our first semester in seminary, we were given an assignment. And we were given the assignment that we needed to go to 14 different worship services away from our own tradition. Now, I was new to Washington, D.C. area, so I hadn't been to any of the Methodist churches there. So I could have easily gone to 14 Methodist churches, but that's not what they wanted. They had to be away from your own tradition to experience other Christian traditions and how they worship. And it was an amazing experience. And uh, there's a lot of different expressions in worship, and, um, and I enjoyed it very much. But there was that awkward moment when communion would be served and they would invite to the table everyone except you. You're not welcome. We're not going to share God's grace with you today. Right? Now think about that. What, what message does that give? And it made me treasure all the more our Methodist heritage that we invite all. It is our privilege to share this holy meal with anyone who wants to experience it. Right? And that was his, his feeling as well. So um, he wasn't a person of strong health. He wasn't like a robust individual. He had, he had a little bit of health issues, and, and, uh, and so it took some convincing to let him um, get into seminary and, and pursue ordination. He um, entered seminary in 1925 at uh, the Didsbury, D-I-D-S-B-U-R-Y, Didsbury Theological College. And he graduated in 1928. And I I just find this next part as a huge statement to who he is as a person and his faith in Jesus. So... He had a difficult time just getting accepted in and to, into the ordination process because he had a few health issues. But as he's nearing graduation, when you're looking at what you might do with this, he applied to be a missionary to Africa. I'm thinking, how many people who, who have some health issues, their first choice is to go to Africa to be a missionary? I think that just speaks to his dedication and his complete trust that God will provide for him. But the person doing assignments thought perhaps it would be better if he went to the um, Huntsman, Huntsman, was it? Huntsman Hill School for Girls as the chaplain. Well, don't you know, there was this French teacher there by the name of Marjorie he kind of took a liking to when they got married in 1931. So Fred and Marjorie had many years of uh, a wonderful marriage. They never had children, but they had a colleague who was assigned to India 
um, who had a daughter, Stephanie, and the colleagues, the, Stephanie's parents died in India. They caught a disease and died in India. And so, so the um, Greens adopted Stephanie and, and raised her. So they did have the joy of raising a child, even though they never had any of their own. So in 1928, he began um, serving at the School for Girls, and then he became a parish pastor. He served under appointment for about 41 years. Um, He retired from um, parish ministry. In that time, he also served as a district superintendent. He retired in 1969. In all of that time, he didn't write any hymns. He didn't write any hymns. It wasn't anything he was interested in. Um, But he did write poetry. And I'm thinking um, many of you will remember our own pastor, Newell Knudsen, who remembers Newell Knudsen. And he wrote poetry. I don't know if you had a chance to read any of his poetry, but he wrote poetry. And every year for the Christmas letter, he would write a Christmas poem um, for for their family Christmas letter. He wrote poetry. He wrote also prose. He wrote wonderful stories. If you had the joy of attending his memorial service, you would have heard some great stories that he himself wrote. It was, he, he was a wonderful writer. And it reminds me of Fred Pratt Green. He wrote poems. He wrote plays. He, he, he used his skill in parish ministry, but he was interested in parish ministry. He wasn't interested in writing hymns until he was nearing the end of his time. He's getting ready for retirement. In 1967, he was placed on a committee to put together a supplemental hymn book for, to, to the British Methodist hymn book. So if you look in the racks in front of you, you see our red book there, right? The, the hymn book of the United Methodist Church. And then most of you are going to see also a black book nearby, The Faith We Sing. That would be a hymnal supplement. Because while we have great songs in that hymnal, people continue to write great songs. And they come to our attention and they capture our heart. And we want to add those. So many of you will see. Some of you might see a green book as well. And we're going to be getting more of the green books. We're going to be ordering them in the coming week and have more green books in there. The worship and song that has more, another supplement that has more music in it that's um, quite lovely and uh, touching. But... uh, Uh, This was the kind of work that he was asked to do in 1967. He was asked to join in in the group that would be putting together this hymnal supplement. And and in the course of that work, it became clear that he actually had a gift for writing hymns. And and in that time, he, he wrote a hymn that got included, and people were so impressed with him that they encouraged him to continue in this. And so as he retired from parish ministry, he entered into a new kind of ministry of hymn writing, and he wrote hymns for about 20 years. Um, He never wrote hymns just because he wanted to write a hymn. Now, I thought that was interesting. He always ended up writing a hymn because somebody asked him to for specific occasion or commissioned him to write a hymn, and he wrote about 300 hymns in about 20 years, so that's about 15 a year, so more than one a month. starting at the age of about 66, right? So I want you all to think about this now. We heard this wonderful opportunity that if you're 62, you can get this $10 card if you're 62 already, and those of us who aren't yet are going to miss out on that, but we can get an $80 pass. But the, 60, the $10 one is great. I really go out and get it. It's one of grandkids, friends, whoever that works. So, um, so I... 
you know, you start thinking. And the reason why they did that $10 pass when they started that is because they didn't think you'd live far past 62, right? It's good for the rest of your life, but two, three, four years, right? Right? So my parents got, we got, we didn't get my parents until they were 80. So they've only had theirs for 11 years, but, um, right? It's like, uh, yeah, so now we're going to pay more, but it's okay. It's still a great pass. But people would think, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm retiring. My life is kind of done. And Fred Pratt Green said, I'm retiring. Look at this whole new career I can have. Matter of fact, his hymns started generating royalties, particularly here in the United States. And so he formed a trust, and that trust lives on and distributes his royalties. And, and one of the things they lifted up uh, recently that the trust uh, money was put aside to publish the hymnal the Roman Catholic hymnal in Latvia once communism collapsed there and they needed hymn books so that helped to publish the hymnals for the churches in Latvia just interesting ways that the, that the trust is being used and the royalties from his hymns oh and just so you know he wasn't always called Fred Pratt Green I mean how many of us are called by our full name all the time you know, most people don't even know what the full name is of anybody else. But when he became ordained, there was already an F.P. Green. So he just said, I'm going to be Fred Pratt Green. And, you know, and people called him Reverend Green, I'm sure. But Fred Pratt Green. And so that's, so when people are looking at his hymns and making, putting hymnals together, sometimes they don't know if they should put it under P for Pratt or G for Green. But it is Green is his last name. Pratt is not his last name. So um, Fred Pratt Green. But here's the thing with his hymns and why they're so unique and so special. Because as you were singing them, I think that you heard they're very easy to understand. The words and the meaning of the words are clear. Now, I have written uh, rhyme for fun occasions. And I wrote a little poem once for my niece for Christmas Day to take her on a treasure hunt to find her gift. And she couldn't make heads or tails of the first verse, which I found very, very frustrating because I thought it was so easy to read and understand. And she was just like, I don't even know what this means, right? So not everything that rhymes is understandable. But his hymns, when you read the words, you know what he's talking about. You can understand the concepts that he's sharing very clear very clear and very timely and relevant. And from his, his heart of being a pastor, he takes the biblical teachings, finds the key theological point, and then helps tie it to how we live that out in our lives today. What, what is our response? It's not simply, it's not simply uh, uh, repeating the, the scripture or, or something abstract, but actually tying it to our discipleship and our walk, which is where our Scripture text comes in today from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through chapter 6, verse 2. How many people noticed that we jumped into a new chapter in that? One, two, okay. All right, so, and, and people back here, but they kind of, they noticed it before anyway, but um, they were also here in the first service. Okay, so we started at 5, 22, and then we went into chapter 6 through the second verse. So I just want to ask you, how many people here in your lifetime have ever written a letter I'm pretty sure most of the people in this room have written letters. Writing letters is becoming less and less a thing because you just text a sentence or two, right? But, But writing letters, right? And so how many people, when you were writing a letter, you wrote it and be sure you broke it into chapters and verses? Yes? Yeah, you, you wrote your letter and you said, chapter one of my letter 
right? Dear so-and-so, now we're on to chapter two. You did that when you wrote your letters, right? Yeah, yeah, Paul didn't do that either. He wrote a letter. And later, scholars broke them into chapters and added verses. And they did that for all of the scripture texts because it makes it easier for us as we're studying them to talk about them, to make sure we're talking about the same point of scripture. Because sometimes scriptures repeat each other and... And uh, so we want to make sure we're talking about the same. So we'll say Galatians 5.22, which talks about the fruits of the Spirit. But the problem is when they bust it in to different chapters, sometimes we think that the thoughts have changed and that somehow they're not connected to each other. And I wanted to make sure you guys understood that this portion that we read today isn't separate from what we do with it. Sometimes we read that fruit. So, and it starts the reading then today. says, by contrast. How many of you noticed that? By contrast. And then you thought... Contrast to what? Yes, I hope you did. I hope you did. When you're reading it, you're like going, contrast to what? Before that, Paul's saying, this is what happens when you live for the flesh. You've got greed and envy and jealousy and strife, right? By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, and self-control, right? And there's no law against any of these things. And then they kind of cut it off, but it's not that. And then Paul goes on to say, and therefore, when when you're having a problem with somebody or you see somebody who's turning away from Jesus, you are to help to admonish them in all gentleness. Right? Because you've got these fruits of the Spirit. So you would be admonishing them in all gentleness. And if you see somebody who's struggling, because you have these fruits of the Spirit at the core of your life, if somebody's struggling, then you will bear their burden with them. You won't leave them to struggle alone. This is a direct result of these fruits of the Spirit. And, and sometimes when we, when we read Scripture, we stop because somebody ascribed a chapter and we don't realize that, that Paul hadn't meant us to stop. That Paul wants us to see that, that how we live is a direct result of these gifts of the Spirit. By contrast, here is what you get from the Spirit. And because of that, when you have disagreements, when you, when you see somebody who, who you feel is turning away, you will admonish them in all gentleness. Which is, in this day and age, not necessarily what the church is known for, is it? When people think about the role of the church in our world today, people don't think, oh, the church is just so merciful and generous, but more judgmental and punitive, which is not at all what Paul says. Because you have these fruits of the Spirit, I want you to be judgmental and punitive. That's not in there. We're we're to treat one another with all gentleness and to bear one another's burdens. And this is what Fred Pratt Green wants to put into his hymns, that, that how, what the scripture says directly impacts how we live that out, that, that there's a direct correlation. It's not just about coming on Sunday mornings and, and realizing that God loves you and your sins are forgiven, but it's about turning that love and grace out into the world and carrying that with us and being vessels, and being vessels, for the love of God in the world. The the opening hymn, we rejoice in God's saints, and we sing all the way through about God's saints, and then the last part it says, and it teaches us to do this too. It's not just 
wow, you guys did a good job. I'm so glad, right? But it's, oh, and now I get to do that as well. It's for me to do as well. This is important, important aspect. So when you're singing his hymns, you will will hear the importance of grace, of God's amazing love, and how that love touches and transforms all of life. This, This grace that is central to Wesleyan theology, this understanding that truly God is love. And because God is love, God loves even me, even though I have sinned, even though there are way too many to count times when I have chosen to be resentful and selfish rather than gracious and loving. And yet God loves me and forgives me. And therefore I too will follow that example. Right? I too will strive to open my life more fully, to receive these fruits of the Spirit. So it's not so hard to be loving. And it's not so hard to to put aside resentments and selfishness because the fruits of the Spirit have taken hold in my life. This is the work of his hymns. And we give thanks for that. Will you join me in prayer? Loving God, we apologize for those times when we have heard the scriptures and thought it was too hard and... And we're grateful for people who could live that out but didn't really give it our best efforts. And God, we thank you that you forgive us for that and that you send to us saints like Fred Pratt Green who remind us that the words of Scripture can become our words of life that can describe how we live in community and how we live as your children. We ask that you would help us to boldly embody the words of the hymns we sing so that we might truly do works of peace and joy and justice that truly glorify you and make a good witness for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Now I gotta tell you the next one. What's the next one? Tell me what the hymn is and I'll tell you what it is. Whom shall I send? Who shall, oh, who shall I send? Okay, so this one here is, um, it talks about, it's from, based on the Isaiah scripture when God says, who shall I send? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me, right? And, but a lot of times we're saying, you know, God says, who shall I send? And we're like going, over oh, there's a good choice, right? And so this is reminding us that it's our work to say, here I am, send me, to, to remember that when God calls us, God doesn't just abandon us, but God equips us to do the ministry. So let's stand and join in singing, whom shall I send?